So this morning, we follow up in Colossians, Colossians 3 from uh, verse 1 to 17, and um, you can stand those that can, and uh, we will just uh, read that together. Colossians um, 3, starting at verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too were, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put away anger and wrath and malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here is, there is not Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, you must put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Word of God, you may be seated. So as we've been going through uh, Colossians, uh, there's a very rich um, writings of Paul. And uh, in the previous chapter, Pastor Leland showed us last week that um, it really tells us not what to, to tell us not to, well, not to do. So I got my words caught up there. And uh, false philosophy, uh, false doctrines, uh, legalism. And in this chapter, it tells us, you know, what we should do. And um, I hope I can really help you understand this is an amazing chapter. And I just had lots of fun, you know, going through this and uh, God speaking to me. So we look at uh, Colossians 3.1, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And there's a concept here that I don't think in my um, frailty of human nature and work, I can actually expose it to you, but I'm going to do my best. In the previous chapter, we said that we've died to the elemental spirit of the world. And, and here it says we've been raised with Christ. And it says we've been seated with Christ at the right hand of God. So Jesus is in heaven right now at the right hand of God the Father, rule and reign, and to intercede for us. 
And you, if you have died to yourself and been raised with Christ, you have a spot next to Jesus on the throne of God. Your name was on there. And that's who you truly are. And we're just going through life because God has granted us that. He's given you a position and a place in life. And it's your, your duty to serve him and honor him and be a witness for him. Ephesians 2 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when you were dead in your trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So we're not going to sit and play a harp. That's not what the Bible talks about. It says he wants to shower you with the measurable riches of his grace and kindness towards Jesus Christ. Like he wants to bless your socks off. Like he wants the best for you. And it is an like, amazing concept which I, in words, unable to really portray for you. And then we talked about before when at, uh, at Christmas when Jesus, as divine order, penetrated the um, created order and becoming a human being. And after his death and resurrection, with his resurrected body, he entered into heaven, enter, entering the divine you know, from the resurrected uh, earthly and making us that path and preparing for us a place in heaven where he is. And um, it, this said, seek the things that are above. In, we, we read it, you've all read it a lot, and I go, yeah, yeah, we should look at things above. But what does it mean? Even the, the Greek word apparently is zeteo, Z-E-T-E-O, which means covet earnestly, strive after, to inquire, to desire, and even require. So this Seeking the things above is not a casual thing. This is, should be an all-consuming thing of our lives as Christians to seek for the things above. And hopefully as we go through this chapter, we will get a little bit more of an understanding what this means. Colossians 3.3 says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So it comes back here again. We're living here, but we actually already died to who we are. And we are actually seated with Jesus in heaven. It talks about the hiddenness. Hiddenness could be mean protection, but it also means that we don't quite understand it. We're living on earth, although we have a place in heaven. We're actually just sojourners through, through life and... Um, we have died the death, what everyone in the world will talk about, uh, not just looking younger, longer, but also, you know, how to postpone death. And death for us, if you already die to yourself, die to the sin in the world, the death of your body is basically just a changing of location. Um, and I just been, and thank you for everyone who prayed for me, I've just been to my father's funeral in South Africa, and I was able to speak too. And it was just a joyous thing to celebrate his life and to know, 
because he knew God, that he is with God. And um, we will miss him, but we'll see him one day again. I talked to a friend that has been told this week that he has a, a terminal condition. And instead of being terrified, he was at peace because he knows what is laying ahead of him. And uh, this is a wonderful thing to know. <clears throat> so um, we go on with um, Colossians 3, 2. It says, set your minds on things above, not on the things that are on earth. So that goes again with seeking the things that are above. And um, Christ should be our main aff affection. Our focus and passion should be to focus on the eternal, not on the temporary, because everything that seems important to us now will disappear, won't matter eventually. There's a book that I love uh, from Randy Alcorn. The book's called Heaven. It's about this thick, and it's worth every minute you spend reading it. But um, here's a quote from that book. It says, In a metaphysical sense, we've already entered heaven's community. By seeing ourselves as a part of heavenly society, we can learn to rejoice now in what heaven's residents rejoice in. They rejoice in God, his glory, his grace, and his beauty. They rejoice in repentant sinners, the saints' faithfulness, and Christ-likeness, and the beauty of God's creation. They rejoice in the ultimate triumph of God's kingdom and the coming judgment of sin. Heaven, then, isn't only our future home. It's our home already, waiting over the next hill. If we really grasp this truth, it will have a profound effect on our holiness. A man who sees himself seated with Christ in heaven, in the very presence of God, to whom the angels cry out, holy, 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 won't spend his evening viewing internet pornography. No wonder the devil is so intent on keeping us from grasping or standing in Christ. For if we see ourselves in heaven with Christ, we will be drawn to worship and serve him here and now creating rippling, ripples in heaven's waters that will expand outward for eternity. So, if you consider reading another book, it should be one on your list. Um, so, the hiddenness of God is also something that uh, we experience, uh, because this concept is just, just struck me now and sort of hidden from me for many years. And um, the concept of the hiddenness of God, we know we experience God, we've experienced salvation, we experience his goodness in our lives, we experience the evidence of who he is by the changed lives of people that accepted him, and we experience him in his creation, so many things, and then most of the world don't see that. They try and explain the way all these things that we notice as acknowledgement of who, who God is. So, um, and that's the same thing about our hiddenness with, with Jesus. This is hidden from even us, the fullness of what it is. And then one day, as we will read here uh, shortly, that who we really are will be revealed when Jesus comes back. Colossians 1.26 says, The mystery hidden for ages, for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. As one of the previous servants, you know, this is what we have. Christ in us and we in Christ, the hope of glory. 
Um, in Colossians 1.28, it goes on, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So this should be part of our focus, not just to live, but to help others along to know him. Colossians 3.4 says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So that glory that's hidden from us now will then become um, apparent. So what does it look like to have your mind on the things uh, above? Uh, we've, Randy Alcorn told us, you know, uh, in a good way of, of um, the things that we need to be part of. And um, in, in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus already did the hard lifting here for us, and he's asking us to run the race focusing on him, and um, we see if we have any sin, it will slow us down and we won't run the race well. And we are part of this cloud of witnesses for those in heaven to join with us on earth, encouraging those that are running the race. And if you see a brother or a sister that's not doing well because they're dragging sin that is preventing them from getting speed, you know, you need to come alongside them and help them, you know, undo the the baggage that they have so they can run with um, freedom. Pulpit commentary, homolytics, is a big word, it's a book, um, talks about this. It says, firstly, we should realize that Christ is our life. The heavenly word depends consciously upon Jesus for its glorious existence. He is the life of each and all of us. As a source of life, he is there beyond the reach of change an exhaustless fountain. And secondly, we should realize that Christ is the object of supreme affection. The celestial world not only traces all its life to Jesus, but centers all its love in him. To love him with all the soul, heart, mind, and strength is deemed not duty merely, but the constant privilege of all. He is the beloved one who is beyond all conception. And then, we should realize that Christ's kingdom and reign are the supreme concern of the whole heavenly world. Angels and redeemed ones alike bend in rapturous interest over the progress of Christ's kingdom and inquire doubtless in what ways they can promote it. The heavenly life is thus a life of hope for the triumph of that sacred cause which centers on son of, the Son of God. And we should realize that Christ's second advent and glory is to be the date of our glorification with him. So, we're looking forward to a great reward, but we need to focus on Jesus and put the other things that hinder us to death. It says so in Colossians 3.5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked as well when you were living in them. So the, if you look at these things, these are all things that disturb our relationship with Jesus and with God. It is um, when 
things that are important to us and uh, coming in the way and preventing us to have our full dedication to Jesus. Um, and these things in the world we see all the time because people are looking for something to uh, you know, inspire them. But these things, it says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And that's why if you're saved in Jesus, the wrath won't get you, you know, come to you, but we need to focus on God so that we, not eat, we, could, we could be easily diverted into having these wrong passions. If we don't honor God with our bodies, our lifestyle, even our passion for work and play, evil is allowed and uh, bring a separation between us and God. We need to fear God. We can't take him lightly. And uh, so there's a couple of verses in Hebrew that, that clearly states that. Hebrews 10, 31 says, It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And Hebrews 12, 28 Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So we see these two options. Either you can be blessed, be part of God's kingdom, or facing a consuming fire. Colossians 3.8, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put the old self off the old self with these practices. And these sins that are listed here are on the, more on the horizontal axis. This is um, things that disrupt our fellowship with uh, fellow uh, human beings and believers. And um, a lot of these are... Uh, um, things that we also encounter if we don't focus on Jesus. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness and wis of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Where jealousy, jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So we see it in our world today, the things that people, um, selfish ambition and jealousy and wanting to get one up and all those things, it, it causes disorder in every vile practice. And looking around us in the community, you know, there's evidence of that. But God has given a way out, so... We all are tempted, but, but we know that Jesus said it. He's the perfect Savior because he was tempted in every way, just like we are, but without sin. That's why he says, therefore, come before the throne of grace, where you receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. That's where we need to go. James 1.14 says, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So, Jesus brings life, sin brings death. We also have to remember that. And uh, Romans 6, 6 says, We know that our self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we no longer be enslaved to sin. 
So that's what we have to do every day. Unfortunately, this old body wants to be resurrected every day. So you have to keep on nailing it back on the cross where it belongs. And we set free through, the, through Jesus' price on the, paid on the cross. So we still sin, but we are not slaves to sin. We can make a choice. Romans 1.1 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of the sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned the sin in the flesh, flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the thing of, things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So just a reminder again, it goes back again, the flesh uh, brings death, Jesus brings life. It talks about some of the picture that I see here is, um, we, you know, of a dirty garment, the sinful flesh. It says to take it off, the soiled garment, get rid of it, burn it, put on the new beautiful uniform that is the righteousness of Christ. And to maintain that, as I said, the, the daily crucifying our sinful nature and also being renewed daily with spending time with God in prayer, in um, studying his word, in being prayerful all the time. And it says we will be changed into his image. 2 Corinthians 3.17 puts it good, in a good way too. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We see in the chapter before, the verses before that, that it says, even when Moses were read, which is the scripture at the time, people didn't understand it because their minds were veiled. And Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, the veil for the inner sanctuary was torn from the top down and open so that we have free access to Jesus. And having the relationship with Jesus is what changes us. <clears throat> um, so it goes on in, in Romans 1.9, You, however, not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Colossians 3.10 and, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his Creator which we just discussed. And Colossians 1.9 says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. So we have to thank our pastors over the years, and this is what they tried to instill in, in us, that it's one thing to get to know Jesus and you know, drink spiritual milk, but it's for us to grow and understand him better. The more we know Jesus, the more we'll enjoy him. Somewhat like when someone falls in love, you know, there's a passion to know the other person better. You spend time to get to know them because you know, want to know how to understand them and please them. In a small way, that's you know, a way that we should look at our relationship with Jesus. Um, Ephesians 4.22 says, Put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life, corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed by the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness, which we already discussed. Colossians 3.11 says, Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So we come in all shapes and sizes and different backgrounds, and different ethnicities, and um, Jesus says, when our focus is on him, and we are in him, there are no distinctions. We are all the same. We are brothers and sisters in Christ with the same purpose, and um, that will solve a lot of problems that we have if we continue to, to understand that. And Colossians 3.12 says, put then... Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And all these beautiful things that it's talking about here are evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Those things don't come natural. That is worked supernaturally in our hearts. And that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, you can go and read that. And then and James also explains it in verse 17, 317. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. As we just read in James 3, the previous verse, how selfishness and ambition causes all kinds of evil. But the wisdom from above, I'll repeat it, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere. So that's what Jesus wants us to look like. Colossians 3.13 Bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Now forgiveness is a big thing, and it doesn't come easily but it's a command of Jesus Christ that we need to forgive one another because he has forgiven us much. And as we know, that's a root cause of a lot of um, disharmony amongst believers uh, is uh, not forgiving one another. And that's why Jesus brings it up here. And uh, it, unforgiving spirit causes resentment and anger, broken relationships. And um, 
dishonoring God. And when we have a broken relationships with one another, our relationship with Jesus cannot be strong either. Colossians 3.14, it says, And above all these put love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, which is the opposite of what we just discussed. Love is beautiful, causes peace and harmony. And uh, 1 Corinthians 13, you all know it, but I'll just highlight again what love looks like. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice with, at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If we can only live love like that, it will be a wonderful wonderful community. And we know that we all fail in that, but it's only through Jesus that he can work these, this um, love in our lives that we can share that with others. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your heart to God. So, again, we talk about here that um, we need to know the Word of God. It needs to be part of us. It needs to, when something comes up, it needs to be a verse of, of the Scripture that comes in your mind to guide and direct you. And, um, and when you have that fullness of Scripture in you and God's working in you, then you are able to help your neighbor and uh, teaching and even admonishing, helping to stay on the narrow road. And our response to that should be praise, worship, thankfulness. And in the last two verses, thankfulness are mentioned four times because it's such an important um, concept and the way that we need to, our attitude of, attitude of gratitude. Colossians 1.28 says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Just You just see the heart of Paul here. His passion is for the other people to experience God's fullness and Jesus' fullness. And he said, for this I toil. And toil, the word means really getting down and work hard and sweat. It's effort. And he says when you do that, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So when we get down to do that kind of business, we don't depend on our own energy and power and ability. We will feel his energy going through us to do his work. We cannot change anyone's mind about who God is. It is the Holy Spirit. But we need to live lives, like Gerard said, that demands super supernatural explanation, and we need to be able to give them um, an explanation for the hope that is within us. And it says to do it with, you know, with gentleness. So we're coming to the last verse, and it says, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or do, uh, start again. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the, to God the Father through him. 
something to contemplate here. Whatever you do or in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus. As we said, we are citizens of heaven, ambassadors on earth, and if we can, whatever we do, do it as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, making him proud, whatever we do. Uh, you know, how would it change our community? And uh, because that's true, it can be true for us, and we have seen how Jesus has made provision for us, we need to thank God, thank God for Jesus Christ and for all that he has uh, done for us, what he's currently doing for us, and what he plans to do for us in the future. And um, I want you just to con- consider again who you really are. Your identity doesn't need to be in your work, what you look like, sexual orientation, whatever it is. Identity is in Jesus Christ. He is our life, and we need to live through him, and he has to live through us. And um, this should be our overwhelming desire while we're still on earth. And i just leave you with the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for that is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you on this beautiful day that you have gifted us, and we consider your holy scripture, your words to us through Paul. Dear Lord, we are trying to understand this immense concept of being with you in heaven that you have placed that you've prepared for us. Dear Lord, we so easily focus on the, the here and the now, and uh, we forget who we truly are in you. Help us, dear Lord, to live lives that are committed to you, to know you better, to live for you. We pray that we, as we surrender to you that you'll change us from one degree of glory to another, that we'll be more like you, and that we love you with all our hearts, and that we love our fellow neighbors as ourselves, and that in everything we would honor you. In your name we pray. Amen.